0: and i help run a company called impact due diligence investigations if you need anything in terms of investigative services feel free to contact me at impact if i can't help you personally i'll certainly direct you to the right person or agency just want to recap a little bit of last week's episode on lindsey clancy out of duxbury massachusetts Lindsay is going to be arraigned on Tuesday, according to the Boston Herald, for three counts of homicide of her children, Cora, age 5, Dawson, age 3, and Callan, age 7 months. And I guess I have to reiterate my stance on mental illness. I sincerely care about your mental illness all the way up until you hurt someone else. And honestly, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills with this case. The amount of sympathy this alleged triple baby murderer is getting just stuns me. I'm absolutely stunned by it. There's nobody in this world who could tell me that if a man had done what Lindsay allegedly had done, you wouldn't be rushing him into a gas chamber. I took a lot of heat on the emails and online apparently and I knew my opinion wasn't going to be popular here because of the postpartum depression and all that. But ladies and gentlemen, we have three dead babies. I stand with them. Do you understand that? At what point should we not care about the person who allegedly murdered these children? This woman is still in a hospital bed. If this was a guy, he'd already be arraigned from the hospital bed. These are just facts. And I have to tell you something else. She was originally charged, there were some charging documents the week prior where she was charged in the death of her first two children. The baby, Callan, had hung on for a while, and I think she's going to be arraigned on all of these charges on Tuesday, according to the Boston Herald. But she had been charged with the homicides of the first two children, Cora and Dawson, And in those charging documents, she was charged with the homicides as well as assault and battery dangerous weapon. I'm hearing in police circles very quietly that my original assumption on the case that it could have been a garrote is wrong, but it's worse than that. It's worse than that. And that's going to come out, I think, pretty soon. I think that's going to change a lot of minds about Miss Lindsay in this case. So I just can't believe the soft landing that Lindsay Clancy is getting all this. I really can't believe it. And I hope it doesn't trickle down to a jury, especially with Kevin Reddington in front of them. We have three dead babies here by her hand. At what point do you stop giving a crap about the murderer or the alleged murderer? If you want to chat with me about it, it's barry at bostonconfidential.net, or you can get with me on the Facebook group. But man, I'm vexed. <laughs> I'm vexed on the reaction to this. There's three dead babies here, and they're already pushing it out of the news cycle. I also just want to touch on something. Somebody had accused me of mansplaining postpartum psychosis. The reason I went into an explanation of postpartum psychosis wasn't mansplaining which i've never really understood the term anyway i do in the general realm of today's society but i gave an explanation to the best of my ability from the national health service about postpartum psychosis you want to know why because i didn't know much about it and if i don't know much about it i assume others have limited understanding as well and i believe that to be absolutely correct so if i'm a man explaining something to people who don't usually understand this medical terminology. It doesn't happen every day. It's not in our everyday vernacular. I'm mansplaining to someone because I'm a man. You know what? Kiss my ass. All right. I hope that was clear enough for you. Let's get on to this week's case. We have to definitely jump into the Wayback Machine on this case. This is the murder case of... Jerry Ann Richard out of Pawtucket, Rhode Island, in 1984. This case comes to us by way of repeated listener suggestions. The reason I had delayed in doing this case is there's so little information available on this case. It happened in 84. I think it was fully adjudicated by 86. But man, there's just not a hell of a lot of information out there. I'm going to do the best I can. It's definitely a case that we need to cover. I remember this case, and I think everybody else does as well. And the enduring memory I have about it was sitting with my mother watching the news. And the mom, Donna Richard, was pleading for the return of Jerry Ann Richard, who had been reported kidnapped out of their home. And she was hysterical. And the media was in a frenzy, an absolute frenzy. And you could put this to probably the beginning of this crazy media age, almost like 24-7. This case was all over the news. There were massive searches of Pawtucket, Rhode Island during this time frame when this four-month-old baby, Jerry Ann Richards, was taken from her home, according to her mother and father. So the police go Ape shit, right? And they start searching in mass. So word gets out there's a missing baby four months old, right? So residents start doing the same. You just can't keep them from helping. And that's how it goes. But after that first day, when they don't come up with the baby, man, people's hearts sank because she's four months old and she has to be fed. She has to be taken care of. And nobody knew what was really going on. Let me just tell you a little bit about Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Pawtucket is about 15 minutes north of Providence and about 40 minutes south on Route 95 from Boston or thereabouts. And Pawtucket is kind of hard scrabble, and I think it always has been. It's a former mill town, and when the work in the mills left, nothing really replaced it. I think when this case happened in 84, there were more active mills and factories in Pawtucket providing employment to the local population. Since then, all of that work has went either south or to Mexico or China. And the mills remain, and they're beautiful buildings, and some of them are converted into condos and apartments now, but there's not much going on in Pawtucket. There's always been an underlying large drug problem, and with that comes crime. So even back in the 80s, I believe that to be true. So the information on this case is spread out all over the place. There's no central repository to go to to get everything on this case. And man, I hope the police have it together more than the general media does, because This case will never be solved if they don't. And we're starting to ramp up to that, that it'll never be solved. I believe both mom, Donna, and dad, Ralph Richard, are still alive, but I'm not entirely sure. I saw no obituaries. I looked for them and all that. But let me tell you about November 11th, 1984. So, guys, as I had mentioned, the information on this case is sparse. So, I've researched the hell out of it and I'm going to give you what I have. But on November 11th, 1984, Jerry Ann Richard was reported missing. Actually, she was reported kidnapped from her apartment. So that got a big response from the Pawtucket police. The Richards resided at 452 Main Street in Pawtucket, and their apartment was above a garage, and the dad. Ralph Richard, among other things, was said to restore classic automobiles, and his shop was downstairs from the apartment. So they're on the second floor. Garage and the facility is down on the first floor, and that will definitely come into play later. So I'm not sure if Donna Richard was on television that night of November 11th or it was the next day on November 12th, but. The segment with her crying for the return of baby Jerry Ann was just like a clarion call to the media. She put out an emotional appeal, and man, it it gathered a lot of attention. So in that regard, it was good for the case. But it would later come out that baby Jerry Ann had already been killed at that time. And the parents went in for questioning almost immediately. And I believe the police would likely have suspected them almost from Jump Street. And let me tell you a little bit about Ralph Richard, and you might understand the police reasoning in that. I don't know if the Pawtucket police knew about Ralph Richard before his baby went missing, but he was a pretty high level marijuana smuggler, stretching from like Miami to New Hampshire, Rhode Island. And he was doing this, I guess, alongside this antique car restoration business he had below his apartment. Was it a front for just drug running the antique restoration business? I don't know. Again, you don't hear much from the Pawtucket police in this case. So I don't know if the Pawtucket police knew that Ralph was a drug dealer. But he would speak to them pretty openly. And he stated that he was involved with a drug deal of about $100,000. And don't forget, this is in 1984. But he said, yeah, that's true. Somebody got shorted out of money in a deal, but it was a friend of his. It wasn't really a big deal. And these people he was working with were not heavy hitters. And Ralph Richard, I believe in 1990, would be convicted of drug trafficking. And it was an enterprise that stretched from 1973 through 1984. So I don't know if the feds were onto him or any of the local police, but he was definitely involved in drug running. And he stated that, no, those people he was involved with wouldn't do that, wouldn't come into the house and take their four-month-old baby and harm the child. But what Ralph Richard did say, and I don't know how many interviews this was in, or when he said it, but it's all spread out all over the place. But eventually, in one of these interviews with the police, Ralph Richard gives up his wife as the murderer. He said, Donna Richard, my wife, is a violent person, a jealous person. And Ralph said, Donna had just found out three days prior that Ralph was having an affair with a woman by the name of Priscilla Dixon. I've also heard this woman referred to in reports as Donna Dixon, but regardless, Ralph was reportedly having an affair, and he admitted it, and Donna would later testify in this case. So he was having an affair, and he stated that Donna went apoplectic when she found out. He said that Donna had reported to him that if you ever leave me, you'll never see your child again, that type of stuff, right? So Ralph does go on to tell police more of what he thinks happened. But I don't know if it was crappy police work in this case. The police never seemed to box this guy into a timeline. What did you see and when did you see it? When did you last see the baby? When did you see your wife? How was your wife acting? It is stated that when Donna Richard was told that the baby was missing, she was unduly calm, right? So it's just a strange case from Jump Street. But that's Ralph Richard, and I'm gonna tell you about Donner as well. But I should probably tell you, four days after the baby had vanished from the apartment, that was on November 11th, and four days later, on November 15th, 1984, the baby was found, and I'm just gonna tell you guys, it's difficult. The baby was found kind of wrapped up on a pile of swept up debris. That's how it was referred to in the court testimony and placed gently on this swept up debris. The baby was found by two maintenance workers in a narrow alleyway. I've heard this alleyway described as being just nearby the Richard apartment and I've also heard it stated that it's only 200 feet from the Richards' apartment, right? So I don't know. That's pretty close, and I think cops would have searched there in the interim. You know, there's four days between them, the baby's missing and found, and I believe the cops would have went through that alley. If it's 200 feet from the shop, right, from the apartment, the cops definitely would have looked there. But again, I don't see any other testimony of, you know, Patrolman Jones and Smith, yeah, we covered that area. There was no baby there. So the case is haphazard at best on all fronts, and it gets worse. All right, guys, I told you a little bit about Ralph Richard. His wife, Donna Richard, aged 33 in 1984, is another story. And I really don't know what's going on with her in terms of mental stability or history. It's been reported that. She had been married three times previously and had several pregnancies that did not come to fruition, if you will. And I don't know if there was an alcohol problem, a drug problem. I suspect there's a drug problem, at least with Ralph. I'm not entirely sure with Donna. But during Ralph Richards' interviews with the police, again, I'm not sure what order they go in. He really throws Donna under the bus. This is the story, as Richard tells it. He had engaged in this affair with this Dixon woman. And this encounter had happened just a few days prior at a motel on Cape Cod. And I don't know what the real relationship was with Miss Dixon and Mr. Richard, if this was an actual affair Or a pay to play situation. I've heard it reported both ways. And that's never been confirmed. So that's just here nor there, I suppose. But she stated, and she did testify to this, Miss Dixon, that Ralph couldn't perform sexually during this encounter. He had lied about being married to her and wore no wedding ring. On every other day, Ralph did wear a wedding band and, you know, typically didn't deny being married. So just a few days after the encounter, Donna Richard knows what happened and she supposedly loses it. And again, I don't think the police narrowed down a timeline. When did she lose it? What did she say she was going to do? These are all question marks. And again, I really don't understand the lack of information on this case because it was televised each day of ralph's testimony was televised so you would think there would be some type of video copy of this that just doesn't seem to be ralph further went on to say that if he had ever cheated on donna donna would make sure he never saw jerry Ann again so this is the word of a drug dealer It's the 80s. Do you take the word of somebody who's involved in that lifestyle? I don't know. But let me tell you a little bit about the autopsy. The baby was found four days after the initial disappearance, and they did an autopsy pretty quickly. And what I'm about to tell you is horrific, and it involves extreme violence against kids. So if you've got to skip this part, we'll skip the rest of the episode. I certainly understand. The cause of death was blunt force trauma to the back of Jerry Ann Richards' head. The coroner theorized that the baby had been held by the feet and swung into a hard surface Man, three times, at least three times. The amount of force was so great that it caused her lungs, the baby's lungs, to smash up against the back so the baby's the lungs, were bruised at that point, and I just can't believe that. So she was repeatedly struck, and the prosecution would later theorize that this happened in the bathroom, and they'd charge the mother, Donna Richard, with homicide, and it is said by the coroner that the amount of force would show great anger, and I believe that to be true and it was blunt force trauma to the back of the head. And there would have been blood. I think there would have been a lot of physical evidence left behind. But when the police arrived at the apartment, they did do a crime scene analysis, or at least a brief one. But at that point, they believed it to be a kidnapping and not a homicide. And During a subsequent interview, the coroner stated that he had been looking at photographs of the bathroom. There were dark stains on a bath mat. But again, at that time, they were looking for a kidnapper in the baby. So they were kind of hyped up on that. And the bath mat was never submitted for analysis because the stains were so large and the baby is so small, it would have been a relatively significant amount of blood even if it's just droplets because they have so little blood in their system. You know what I mean? But the bath mat was never collected and submitted as evidence. And the coroner says, I wish it had been, quite frankly. So that's another blunder here. But the coroner in this specific case also gave that cause of death that I had just provided to you. But it gets worse. The baby was raped and there was semen inside the baby's vagina. It's just horrific, absolutely horrific. And the police reported that the baby was placed gently on this pile of debris, which they described as being swept up. So there must have been broom marks or something around this thing. And, you know, four days later, the maintenance men find the baby. The coroner would later say that he believes the baby was killed on November 11th and you know, not held during the time frame that she was still reported missing. So he believes that the baby was killed upon this abduction, in air quotes, right? So in Ralph's interviews with the police, he puts it on the wife, and I know I've just said this, but he said she was violent, found out about an affair, and all this other stuff, and he believed that Donna had done this. He said this to the police. Subsequently, Ralph was charged with rape of a child. He was charged with conspiracy and a couple other lesser crimes, but the rape of the child, conspiracy, I don't know if it was conspiracy to commit murder and like filing a false police report and all this, but for whatever reason, Donna was arrested soon after and Donna's charged with the murder. And I think they totally jumped the gun. There just wasn't any physical evidence, really, that pointed at least to Ralph. And after the arrest, I don't know if a judge made the decision or the district attorney made the decision. Again, there's just not much information out there. But somebody in the court system made the decision to sever the trials, meaning that Ralph would go first and be tried on the rape allegations, and then Donna would go for the murder, right? And I just don't understand this. This was all in one case, and you already have Ralph pointing the finger at Donna. It was just the biggest blunder. I don't know if this was a judge or, again, the district attorney who elected to do this, but Ralph goes to trial first, and... It was May 86 and they start the trial. There was over 50 witnesses. Miss Dixon was there and one of the babysitters had provided some evidence during this. There was 50 some odd witnesses. The state was trying their best but I just think they jumped too soon. They needed to investigate this case more. So I realized this was the mid 80s and DNA had not come to fruition yet. But you could at least blood type the semen with the father to see if they were a match. Because if they weren't, right, you have an innocent man in front of you. He didn't rape the child. I don't hear anything about blood type on this. I hear semen and that's it. Yeah, there's semen in it. But does it connect back to the father? Again, I don't hear anything about that. And was this sperm that was found inside the baby saved? Because now you have DNA... You can do amazing things with dna you'd already have the father's dna the mother's dna quite frankly i think if this case happened today it would be an open and shut case right because i do believe that the sperm would come back to a family member here and you would break the case but again did they save that dna never heard a word about it never heard a word about what other evidence there is in this case. During the trial, during Ralph's trial, the babysitter came in and stated, the night the baby went missing, she had placed the baby in a t-shirt and a sleeper. You know, I I don't really know. I know a sleeper is. Why would the baby have a t-shirt on? Maybe underneath the sleeper. I get that. All right, so the babysitter knows exactly what she put the baby in and the baby was found changed, changed clothes. And I don't know if they ever found these other clothes that the sitter had put the baby in the crib with. So who changes clothes, guys? Parents change clothes. Does a kidnapper change your baby's clothes? I don't think so. But the baby was found dressed differently than when the babysitter put her down. Again, I have no timeline here. I don't know when the babysitter put her down. I don't know who was home with the babysitter or when the babysitter left. It's all just so many question marks here. It's ridiculous. And I believe this next item I'm going to tell you about was submitted as evidence. But again, I'm not entirely certain. There was a mechanic who had purchased a car or somehow came into possession of a car that had been housed at J&R Auto the business that Ralph had run just below his apartment. So he was restoring this car and this other guy comes into possession of it. And he finds in this I don't know what the time frame was, was a baby's hairbrush with what they believed to be blood on it. And that had been at Ralph's shop. So again Do they do any analysis to match the hairs on the brush to hairs on the baby's head? Again, question marks, I don't know. This was one of the reasons I didn't want to do this case, guys, because there is just so many question marks here. Like, it's just so difficult. And if I'm having difficulty doing a podcast on it, imagine how an investigator feels, right, who's actually looking to get a conviction for... This baby's homicide. So it appears the case uh, against Ralph Richard was high on emotion and low on evidence, right? Just in terms of the rape, it seems like, yes, this baby was raped, but you've got nothing to say it was the father. Some other items I hear were found at the house, at the apartment, was a towel bath towel near Ralph Richards' chair, that's how it's described, that had semen on it. And what does that mean? I don't know. You know what I mean? A defense attorney can run roughshod over something like that. It's a head shaker. This case is an absolute head shaker. They just rushed to this case. They rushed this to a jury, and it wouldn't go well. So this is the theory that the prosecution came up with. Ralph was having an affair, but was sexually frustrated. He was impotent at the hotel with Miss Dixon, wasn't getting any sexual satisfaction from the wife, and he raped his four-month baby daughter. Seems a bit of a leap, right? It just does. But it gets worse. So they further theorize that Donna became aware of the affair with Miss Dixon and killed the child in retaliation. I've heard that on one hand, and then I've heard that the mother was not aware that the child had been raped and the baby wouldn't stop crying due to the pain of having a grown man inside of her. The wife took the child into the bathroom and slammed her against the concrete or something repeatedly. I mean, these are divergent theories here, and it just seems a bit silly. There's no physical evidence where a baby's head was smashed in. You don't even collect a bath mat. What the hell's going on here? So part of the conspiracy charge against the dad is that he helped get rid of the baby and place that baby on that pile of debris and then he lied about it. Where's the evidence of that? Again, long on theory, short on facts, and definitely short on physical evidence. So as you can imagine, there's a lot of emotion in the courtroom. The closing argument of the prosecutor was two hours long, but again, short on facts. Was it Ralph's blood type of the semen that was found inside the baby? I don't know. I'm just flummoxed on this. And the case kind of falls apart. And Ralph Richard ends up with a not guilty in 1986. So he gets a not guilty and can't be tried again for these crimes. And don't forget, they severed these cases and they were going to use Ralph Richard. I believe, to testify against Donna, they would have offered Ralph a somewhat of a reduced sentence if he kind of confessed afterwards, right? And they were going to use all of that information against Donna. Let me tell you that the prosecution is certain that Donna committed this homicide. What physical evidence backs that up? I don't know. But when they couldn't get a conviction on Ralph Richard for the rape and the conspiracy charges... They couldn't use any of that information against Donna, and she had been charged with homicide, and she had been awaiting trial, well, in prison, you know, she couldn't make bail, and after Ralph Richard was acquitted, I think they released Donna, and these two goofballs would go on to have another child together, can you imagine that, they reconciled after Ralph stated that Donna had killed Jerry Ann. They had another baby and lived together for several years afterwards. It's, it's just horrible. In the year 2000, an I-team report from one of the Rhode Island stations was contacted by the grandmother. I don't know on whose side, if it was on Ralph's side or Donna's side. And somebody had sent the grandmother a recording and letters stating that he had seen somebody trying to get into the apartment on the night the baby went missing. Nothing much ever came of that. Again, that was in the year 2000. I'll put that article in the show notes, but I'm not sure what happened here. But I need to tell you about something else that I think really ruined the chances to convict Ralph Richard of anything. About four to six weeks before Jerry Ann Richard either disappeared or was abducted, two Pawtucket police officers were on patrol on Main Street, and they saw a ladder up to the window of the commercial building that the Richards live in. Don't forget, it's a commercial area with the shop downstairs. The cops didn't know that this ladder was leading to a residential section of the building. They thought they had a and e in progress. So what the cops do, and they were later faulted for it, but I don't see a lot wrong with it. Quite frankly, they go up the latter, and they want to catch these guys in the act, right? Because it looks like a B and E, and they go in and they see, geez, this is a family home. They actually see Jerry Ann sleeping in her crib. Then they see mom and dad. They creep out without saying anything. And when all this hits the news, the cops go to the their bosses and the district attorney, and they say what happened, and they were heavily criticized for that, but. That really put a dent in the prosecutor's case because just weeks before, somebody had a ladder up to the window and dad was already in bed with the wife, you dig? So that casts some reasonable doubt here. And it was pretty big for this trial, I believe. And I think that just cemented reasonable doubt on this case. Again, it's long on theory and short on physical evidence. And I think the plan was convict Ralph of the rape, and he'll flip on mom. But again, even during these interviews, I never hear that the police placed either one of the parents into a timeline. What happened when? I hear that Ralph accuses Donna of the homicide, but when and how and what did she say to you? These are all question marks. What did the mother say to the father? She had threatened to kill the kid basically if if he had an affair on her. And he did. So I don't know. There's something wrong here. I believe whatever happened happened within the family. The prosecutors may be dead on. There just wasn't enough evidence at that time. They should have kept on working. They should have kept on keeping on with this case. And now it's dead cold. Do they even have any DNA that was inside the baby? That would crack the case by now. It's just a mess. Again, I was reluctant to do this case, guys, but I feel like it's one of those cases you have to cover. There's so many question marks in this case. I doubt there'll ever be a conviction unless there's DNA. So I think that's all I have for you in this one. I'll get on to the next one for you. If you need me, reach out at barry at bostonconfidential.net, and I'll try to get right back with you. Otherwise, I'll get on to the next one for you, and I'll see you on the flip side.